You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. me but um, my name's Judy and I am one of the location pastors from the Workington location. Um, my husband Nick was here two weeks ago so we are we do feel this is very much home from home for us um, but I am also very much aware of the privilege of being able to speak to you tonight and I just wanted to give you a brief background to where tonight's word came from which was really that at the start of the year we were made aware of prophetic words that were coming through both uh, nationally and internationally about God breaking out, breaking through in the United Kingdom in 2023. And um, this was met with obviously great joy by me in particular. Um, But the second emotion really was what I can only describe as a godly FOMO, a fear of missing out because I thought, I'm not ready, am I, God? And this word came really from my journey of thinking, I'm not ready. And I think there is a sense in which we're never ready for a powerful breakthrough of the Holy Spirit. But in another way, I think we are very able to prepare ourselves. And that's really what tonight's word is about. Now, it wouldn't be Mother's Day without me sharing a story about one of my kids, would it? So I wanted to just tell you briefly a story about um, our youngest daughter, Abby, And uh, Abby, when she was about seven years old and we were practicing reading, as I'm sure many of you have with your children, everywhere we went, we read road signs, we read um, registration plates on cars, we looked at everything everywhere we went around the shops. And one day where we were living in South London, I took her up to the shops with me and on all of the lampposts along the way, there was a poster like the one that will come up in a moment. And Abby stopped and said, Mummy, somebody's lost their bird. I said, yes, that's really sad, isn't it? We'll have to keep an eye out for it on the way back. And we carried on walking. And she said, but what a lovely name. And it was only a couple of minutes later, I thought, I went back and read the poster, and I thought, it didn't say the bird's name. And... I said, Abby, it's not got the name on the poster. And she said, yes, it does, Mummy. Its name's Reward. (laughs) And ever since then in our family, we can't say the word reward without pronouncing it reward. So, um, yeah, just a funny story to start with. But um, when you've lost something, the most annoying thing is for people to say to you, well, where did you see it last? Because you think, well, if I knew that, it wouldn't be lost, would it? But when it comes to a living thing that can move like birds and like faith, it's not an unreasonable question. When did you see it last? And we need to retrace our steps. Finding faith is a phrase we usually use about people coming to believe in God for the first time. But I believe it's also a lifelong journey and one that we need to intentionally prepare and plan for every day of our lives. Because when we're facing a sudden challenge or need, we don't automatically have faith for it, do we? 
We need to find faith for those situations. So I want to invite you today to come on a journey with me and my intention is that we will all arrive at our destination together, prepared and ready for everything that God is preparing to do amongst us this year. Not a boring journey like when we were kids going to visit relatives, but an adventure we don't want anyone to miss out on. Now, journeys are tiring and sometimes challenging, so perhaps your first question might be, do I have to? <laughs> What's my motivation for this? Well, the first reason for the journey is clear. Faith pleases God. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, because we know that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, it's so important for us to remember and and to resolve in our minds the question of who God is. Because otherwise, that quotation could produce feelings of guilt, shame, or fear in us. And we might start believing either that indeed it's impossible for us to please God because we have so little faith, or that we need to work really hard to please him, neither of which is true. The disciples asked themselves this very important question, and we should do the same. Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Because he is incredibly powerful, but he is for us, not against us. The story of the prodigal son teaches us that our God is lavish with his grace, mercy, kindness, and generosity to us. Our God is ready to say yes to us. That is our motivation. If you like, that's our fuel for this journey. And the second reason is this. God rewards faith. As we saw in the sign above that offered a reward, Hebrews 11 verse 6 also says, we must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. As we go on this journey to find faith, it's important to remember that God will reward us for making the journey. There is a reward waiting at the end. So we've decided we're going, I hope. You're going to come with me. There's some things we need to do to prepare before we leave. Mark 1 verse 3 says, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. It's important to prepare for the journey. Just as we're told to prepare a way for the Lord, any journey we make will be better if we've prepared for it first. Decide where we want to get to. What does the destination look like? What do we want to do when we get there? It's so important to have a vision for our own life that ties in with the dreams that God is dreaming over you. We plan and dream about our holidays, so why not prepare the same way for life? When Nick and I recently went away for a few days, we didn't just set off spontaneously. We decided some things in advance, and we made some bookings for parking, flights, and accommodation. In contrast, we can be very unprepared for the challenges that face us and even what we believe we're called to do. So let's look at some helpful things to pack and activities to do on the journey to faith. I'm going to make a packing list that are six essential things we need to do on our journey. First of all, prayer. I'm sure I'm not the only one. If I'm being driven somewhere, I don't take very much notice of how I got there. 
Following signs is an important part of the journey. When we pray, we're not just asking for things. We can ask for directions too. Prayer is a signpost to help point us in the right direction. But it's not the destination or something to tick off our list. We don't believe in the power of prayer because just believing isn't enough. Even demons believe in God. This isn't Britain's Got Talent where if I just believe enough, I'll win a prize. We rather believe in the one true God who we are talking to. It's also good to take a road map with you. Now, I know that's a bit old-fashioned these days. But the Bible is not just a map, but a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's useful to have headlamps on the journey when it gets dark, foggy, or stormy. In the days before Google Maps, I used to leave my road map open on the passenger seat next to me. So if I thought I'd lost the way a bit, I'd stop, have a look, check where I was going, and get off again. And in the same way, I like to leave my Bible open and somewhere obvious in my house so that it's not on a shelf getting dusty somewhere and forgotten. It's there to hand when I just can reach for it when I need it. Now, I'm also old school. When it comes to music, I have a CD player in my car. I know, it's confession time. But actually, it's the only time I play worship music because if I put it on at home, I'll wander off and do something different and I w it'll just be playing to itself. I won't be listening to it. I won't be worshipping. In the car, I'm a captive audience. Worship can take us from naught to 60 in a moment. Worship songs remind us of the truth in a way that will stay with us all day. It reminds us of the character and promises of God. They touch our emotions and remind us who it is we fell in love with. And they demand a response very often from us. Next thing on my list is people. Journeys are better with other people who can remind us where we're going so we don't get lost. We need to keep turning up. Keep coming to church on Sundays. Keep going to prayer meetings. Keep going to life group. Because you're going to find faith there. It might not be your own faith. But you get to be a passenger for a short while. To borrow faith from others. To see things through their eyes. Witness their miracle. And be reminded of your own. Don't allow cynicism, bitterness or tiredness to rob you of help on your journey. It gives us a healthy perspective if we hang out with people who either have had it harder than us or are currently going through a difficult time but are finding faith through their circumstances. And not just people in our church. We can read books about others who've been on a journey to faith. Books can encourage us, provoke us, strengthen and envision us. The Hiding Place by Corrie ten Boom is a truly harrowing narrative about the abominations carried out against the Jewish community during the Holocaust. Ask yourself, is my suffering worse than hers? She found faith even to do the impossible, to forgive her tormentors. Maybe most importantly, Jesus is our passenger. He's in the passenger seat and he's looking for faith too. Luke 18, verses 6 to 8 says, 
but when the Son of God comes, will he find faith? Will he find it here today among us? And how will he reward it? Are we ready for what he's about to do, or will we miss it? The story of the feeding of the 5,000 is so familiar to us. We know how it ends, but the disciples didn't. They were hot, tired, thirsty, and overwhelmed. And then Jesus asked them to fix something unfixable. Later in that passage we read, they did not understand because their hearts were hardened. They were so focused on the problems that they missed the miracle. Have we allowed the suffering we've been through to harden our hearts? I was thinking about the revival in Asbury, in the um, campuses in America that started in, in the beginning of this year, that how the people who were there and witnessed it at the start said, it was same old, same old. They were just turning up for the same old meetings because they had to. And it's not always what we're expecting to see. There were people in that room who were on their phones Googling things or playing games at the same time as people meeting powerfully with the living God in life-changing ways. And I think we get to choose which of those people we are when God turns up. Next one is to take a break. It always makes Nick and I laugh that when we set off on our two-hour journey to Richmond from Workington on the west coast of Cumbria, 10 minutes into the journey, the icon will come up on the dashboard, the steaming cup of coffee and the words, take a break, and think, it's a bit soon yet. But it is important to plan breaks in the busyness of our lives. Jesus himself went away to lonely places to find faith every day. And why do we think we're any different? Third one, uh, sixth one, is I recently came across a blog online called Treasures in the Trash. It's about this guy who used to work for the New York Sanitation Department, and he began retrieving things from the garbage that he considered too good to throw away. And his hobby has now grown so massively that it fills a storage facility and it contains all of the weird and random things he's collected over the years. It's being made into a museum that people can visit. It made me think that our testimonies are a bit like that. We all have stuffed away stories that are unique and special to us. They are our treasures in the trash. When life seems a bit rubbish, God has a way of bringing something great out of it all. So welcome to my museum. I just want to show you something out of the museum from 40 years of miracles and things that God has done in my life that if we don't record, it's easy to forget. So it was hard to choose. It was hard to choose. There's been a lot of incredible miracles that he's done for, for me and my family over the years. But I wanted to just home in on one thing. I've always taken being an auntie very seriously. I was an auntie long before I was a mum. And um, one of my nephews um, was actually the same, born the same time as our eldest son. And uh, he was born with a lot of issues. 
He um, had a lot of physical difficulties, and uh, we nearly lost him several times as a, a, a baby. Um, but he kept going. There was um, a lot of things he needed to overcome, and he had a mental age of somewhere between three and five years old. And I was always praying for all of my nephews and nieces that they would come to know Jesus and that he would prosper their lives. And when I was praying for Sam, I just thought, God, they, they live hundreds of miles away from me. I don't see them regularly. How are they going to find out about Jesus? How is Sam, in particular, going to find out about Jesus and respond to him when he has so little understanding? And I just kept praying over the years. When Sam reached the age of 13, he had, uh, as part of his spectrum of, of issues, um, he had, um, uh, oh, what's the word for fits? Epilepsy, sorry, brain. Epilepsy. Um, and it was under control, under good control with medication. And uh, his mum, my sister, and her husband were running a pub in Cornwall at the time. So it was a 24-7 job. And Sam's issues made him um, very afraid of strangers and very obsessive about my sister, really. She, if she left the house, they'd had to have bars fitted on the windows because he would get so distressed, he would smash the windows with his fists to try and get to her. So they would lock him in his bedroom, and he had bars at the windows, which is not a good look, but it was to keep him safe. And uh, one night, he came downstairs to find my sister in the pub. First of all, she was thinking, how did you get out? Um, but then he had this story about a nice man coming to see him in his bedroom. And he, he was just talking about this really excitedly. And my sister was really busy, very confused about what on earth was going on, thinking, has somebody got into the bedroom upstairs? This is not good. Took him back upstairs, made sure he was locked in, and went back to work. This went on for the next three nights. Each time, Sam, who was terrified of strangers, packed up everything in his bedroom and had this story about the nice man is coming for Sam. And on that last night, Sam had a fit in his sleep and died. And we were obviously all very shocked and very upset. And my sister was obviously very upset. But when I saw her at the funeral, she told me this story. And I realized that Jesus had come to get Sam. In those days before, he prepared him. And I thought, that is so incredible. I couldn't reach him. I couldn't be with him. I couldn't talk to him about Jesus and introduce him to him. But Jesus himself, the only person other than his mum that Sam wouldn't have been terrified of, came and got him ready and took him to be with him. Totally at peace, totally happy, and we all could be the same knowing where he'd gone. So that's one of my treasures in the trash. I love the discipline of treasuring and remembering what God's done. And it keeps me alert like a good cup of coffee on the journey to remembering God's faithfulness in the past and that he will be faithful again in the future. 
You're welcome to come and visit my museum anytime. But it's so important to become the curator of your own museum. Learn the discipline of journaling what God is saying to you. Keep a good record of the treasures he's entrusted to you. Store them in an accessible way to you so that others can take them out and look at them time after time. So we've looked at some of the things that are helpful on our journey. Now let's have a look at some of the things that can distract or even stop us. Things that are hazards on the journey. Sometimes on a journey we hit problems. You can't drive anywhere at the moment, can you, without hitting a pothole. There's also traffic, delays and diversions. In life we're easily diverted. Those diversions are often not a better way to get to the destination but lead to dead ends where we lose our sense of direction and purpose. Or we just stop and give up. Maybe there's something that has made you stop. Paul asked the Galatians, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? What made you decide that the journey was too hard or too difficult? Are we guilty sometimes of only having faith if everything is going our way? If we did what he wanted and he didn't give us what we wanted in return, did he break faith with us? Do we find it hard to believe that he's a God of faithfulness and without injustice because he blessed somebody who we think thought didn't deserve it, like the older son in the story of the prodigal son? Or because he let that one thing happen, he didn't stop it happening that we'd asked him to stop happening? God doesn't despise our suffering. Psalm 56 verse 8 says, He keeps our tears in a bottle. He cares. I've sometimes struggled for years before I've found faith about a particular situation. But I want to say that the pride of place in my museum goes to those treasures which can't be neatly pigeonholed somewhere. The times I tried and failed to find any rhyme or reason for what happened but I chose to worship him in the pain and in the storm. I treasure those times not because I think, oh, didn't I do well, but because those are the times I've felt the physical presence of God with me. I've known how precious it was to him that I trusted him with those things and was willing to lock them away without them having an answer. Those things are not available for public viewing. Those things are so fragile, so precious, that they will always be kept in a secret vault for mine and I and God's eyes only. It's like holy ground, and I know God treasures it as much as I do. But we can also make wrong turns. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. It is not tarot cards, mediums, and horoscopes. It is not karma, wishing, luck, superstitious, superstition or gambling. It's not believing in the power of nature or the universe trying to tell you something. It's not religion. It's not Facebook philosophy of I like to believe. And it's not a formula that brings a fixed result. All of these things are wrong turns, blind alleyways and distractions. One of the things that Craig Rochelle talks about in his leadership podcast is the hard right. Sometimes God will ask something really hard of us. We know it's right, but we kick against it. 
Faith is giving someone or something up. Doing what he asks you to and not doing what he tells you not to. I found it so hard to give up our house in Great Broughton and move to Workington. It was only a few miles, but I loved that house. And there were a lot of dreams attached to that house of playing hide-and-seek with grandchildren and running around. It was that sort of house. But in the end, I knew that staying there would prevent me attaining the bigger dream of planting a church in Workington. Even Jesus had to take a hard right. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, if it's possible, if it's your will, take this cup from me. We need to take some courage with us on this journey, but God is not judging us when we find it hard, and he will reward us. Matthew 19, verse 29 says, everyone who gives up homes, brothers, sisters, will receive a hundred times more. We can't hold on to people and ask of them what only God can give us. It takes faith to let go and believe he has something better for us. At every stage of this journey to faith, there's a fork in the road and a decision to make. Bad decisions, indecision or carelessness can take us off on a diversion that we find it hard to get back from. You see, the hard truth is that we don't lose faith. We choose to let it go, either by neglect or as a deliberate act of sabotage. I'm struggling to believe is very different from I refuse to believe. And we need to be honest with ourselves about that. Doing nothing isn't an option here. We have to choose. It's the fork in the road. Matthew 25, verses 24 and 29 then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. <clears throat> then the master replied, take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Do we value our faith like a bag of gold? It's been entrusted to us to invest it, grow it, and share it. But if we do nothing, the little we do have will be lost. Faith like love is not a feeling that comes over us. It's a choice. It's not something we can leave to chance. Or when the time comes that we really need those gold coins... We can find that they've slipped down the cracks between the floorboards. Finally, Satnav will say, you have arrived at your destination. But now what? We've reached our destination, but we still need to apply faith to our situation and also to learn how to hold on to it. Faith can be as slippery as a bar of soap. We think we've got it, but then it slips through our fingers. But it's not a thing or a feeling. It's him we have faith in. He is a faithful God. He's the source. And we can decide again today to be filled with him so that it becomes a joy to take up our cross and follow him. James 2 says, Show me your faith without deeds 
and I will show you my faith by what I do. Actions speak louder than words. So if you're ready to make a stand for Jesus, I want to invite you to all of you stand up now with me. Just like we did when we first gave our lives to Jesus the first time. This is a new beginning. Every day is a new beginning. A new era of walking by faith for us as a church, particularly, I believe, this year. And he's preparing us right now for what he wants to do amongst us. If you feel that you've let your faith go, that you're a long way from where you started, in a moment we're going to have a video. And during that time I want you to walk forward and we'll pray for you. We'll pray together. And maybe we can recommit our lives to him. Or maybe you've never taken that step of faith for the first time. Maybe you thought all this time it was enough just to believe in God. But now you know he's calling you deeper. Don't let this moment pass. Step out your first step of faith into the arms of God. You come forward too with those other people. And finally, if I haven't managed to convince you yet that this journey isn't a waste of time... I'd like to ask you this one thing. Where did you lose it? Will you let someone go back with you and search? Retrace your steps and confess the moment that you let it go. Let God comfort you and heal you until you can decide to have faith in him again. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So just before we start that video, if you have children in Hero Factory, we do want to honour the people working out there. If you are not wanting to be prayed for, then would you go on behalf of somebody else who you know does want prayer and who, wants, who needs their children to be picked up? But let's not rush away from the presence of God. Let's stay and let him minister to us. And the reason that we want a video playing on here today is because I want the band to be able to be ministered to as well if they want to so yeah come forward and make that recommitment because this is a new year a very important year for us as a group of churches and I know I want that prayer I want to be ready and not miss the moment when God comes and challenges me and my faith for listening to this podcast from Influence Church. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Influence Church, empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.